I just got stuck in a bogey train. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Bogey Train. We've got uh, myself, Nick, obviously. We've got Jang's here, and we've got a special guest. What's um, going on, guys? Yeah. We've got uh, Max Sabi here, otherwise known as Sully, otherwise known as 2016 UMAC champ. I don't know if I'm missing anything. Can you believe that was 2016? That seems forever ago. James was actually there. I was there. What were you really? Yeah, I showed up. uh, Me and Sam Bata and our ladies and Rachel all came and we cheered on the Eagles that day. I've had probably one round as good as that, and it was with the golf team at the Eagle Cup. But other than that, haven't sniffed that number since. It was kind um, of a miserable day, too. It was really chilly, wasn't it? That was the best day of the week, that, that actually. Was the best day of the week. Yeah, sure. and it was still miserable. Was, if, I mean, the day before, you should have been there the day before. That was some of the worst conditions I've ever played in. I'm glad I wasn't. What's that? Was it like snowing? It was like, it was slightly snowing uh, on the way. I remember when we were leaving the hotel and like just walking out to the van, it was like what are we the, the wind chill was in the 20s. I think the, there was a slight flurry. Yeah. I mean, when you shoot, I think I shot 78 and I still maintained my lead and I was like, what? what? what yeah, I, th- I, think, I think I shot seven over that day and I was thrilled. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, so, okay. When you mentioned uh, your other uh, best round, was that when I was playing with you in Iowa? Yes, that was at. Oh gosh, what course was that? Uh, oh, what it was wasn't that? That really hard one. The preserve. The, yeah, it was the preserve. Yep. Yeah, that was a. That was a fun day. I think I was playing really good too, and then I didn't quite finish as strong as you did. I think I shot like yep. one under, maybe two under, or yeah, even I, somewhere around there. I think was I playing against you too? So it was like a yeah. really good match. Yeah. Yeah, that was that that weird format we had to come up with when it was where it was two versus one. Yep. And I think it was me and Mike versus you. Yeah, and then And so the way the way we set that format up if the solo is playing really good, you have like no chance. Yeah. But if the solo is playing really bad, the solo has no chance. So yeah, we had to it's, find a way to make it work with, with only three guys per team. Um, all right. Uh, so this is sort of like, there's sort of a Christmas theme here. We talked a little Christmas last episode. If we have time, we'll get to some, uh, and Christmas movies, sort of ranking Christmas movies, see who can come up with the best list. Um, I have some strong opinions when it comes to Christmas movies. A lot of them I haven't seen, actually. So um, We all have strong opinions on those. Yeah. So, but I think we could just start with a, we could just do the TGC Tours update quick. I know you want to get this out of the way. Yeah, let's just get out of the way quick. Uh, TGC Tours update last week. Uh, keep it short and sweet. Miscut. Uh, first week on Kinetic. Finally got moved up. I was feeling good. Swing just wasn't there this week. Tempo wasn't there. Uh, 
10 under for two rounds, missed the cut by two. It is what it is. Uh, that's all I got to say. We're going to come back strong this week, develop the game, get it back together. Played a, Ended up playing the challenge circuit rounds for a little group I'm in. Uh, and first round on the challenge circuit course, I shot 17 under. So the game is it's there a little bit again. Uh, that was 17 under in one round? 17 under in one round, yeah. Okay. So... So games, games getting back. Uh, we just we didn't have it last week. It was a tough, tough go of it. Tempo wasn't there. Now was the was the course like? Obviously, actually, I played a practice round on the course with you. Yeah, I don't. I'm, I don't remember it being like crazy difficult. But no, like, it did, wasn't. did you notice it being significantly harder than the challenge circuit courses? It, it was. Uh, you notice it a lot on the greens, like uh, the putts, like right around the hole, they have a lot more break. So you might have like a five or six footer, but you're playing, you know, a foot, foot and a half of break where on challenge circuit, you're playing maybe like one or two clicks of the controller. Uh, so it is, it's a little bit harder to get the breaks down. I'm just kind of looking at stats. I was hitting the same amount of greens as I normally hit. Uh, same amount of fairways, just twenty-seven putts each round. So is, the putting was definitely Which, the. That's yeah, that's definitely high for yeah for for this game. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that was that was really the main issue is just getting getting it on the right spot on the greens. Like if you're pin high, you're going to be in a lot more trouble than if you're you know straight above or straight below the hole. Makes it a lot more difficult. So that's just something we got to iron out. And it doesn't help that if you don't have a good tempo, you know, you're not going to be hitting it straight at the pin. You're going to be 10 or 15 feet left or right. Yeah. I had a round like that recently. I can't remember what course it was. It felt like I actually finally started hitting my irons a little bit closer, but had a bunch of like eight to 10 foot birdie putts, but that just broke like three feet. So yeah. I could, like, couldn't make anything. Also, did you see that I uh, posted on the YouTube? I almost had another hole in one. I did see that. I ended up, did I, oh, I never sent you the video of mine that I made when we were playing that one night. But yeah, how, like I almost, uh, almost got my second ace in the game, but I don't know how that missed. That was in a little career mode action. So, cause trust me, I wouldn't be playing Riviera just for fun. I hate that course, Yeah, that course which is, is probably a very unpopular opinion. That course is a bogey. Uh <laughs> On the game specifically, like I don't mind it. Like watching, I, I think in real, real life, life too. I think it's overrated. Maybe the that's cor- a hot take. The course on the game is a straight bogey fest. It's Gosh, just so many of the PGA Tour players love playing that course. I know. I think, yeah, I think Ben Hogan would be turning over in his grave. Isn't that like Ben Hogan's favorite track of all time? I mean, it's such a historic course, but it's like I don't know. It just doesn't do it for me. Especially in the video game. It's one of the hardest courses in the game, honestly. But, uh, yeah, that's probably enough. Uh, is, that, is that enough TGC Tours talk? Yeah. Uh, the Eczema Classic was just not it for me. Uh, but with a I name like that, I mean. Looking ahead this week, we got the Abaco Classic at Blackdown Hills. Uh, it's a nice, it looks kind of like a Scottish Lynxy type course. Um. Reading the course review, it's inspired by Sussex Downs, uh, which is another course in TGC, which is very linksy. Uh, a lot of elevation changes, so it should be a fun week. I usually play well on courses like this. 
uh, wide fairways, large greens. So we'll see if we can get it back on the right track, make a nice little cut here. Uh, maybe even get a promotion get, mark. Maybe even get a promotion mark. You know, if I can work my way back up to elite again this year, that'd be, that'd be nice. Um, I just want to see you win an event, any event. Yeah, I cannot believe I have been playing for this long and I just I haven't won. Uh, two second places I have in my career, and but just never, never can get it done. Basically, it seems like you just have to catch an absolute heater because if someone is good enough, even on one of the lower challenge circuits to win an event, they're probably good enough to like be on one of the top three tours. It depends on like what they shoot to win an event because lower challenge circuit, you can shoot like 29 under for four rounds and win. So it just kind of depends on, you know, what tour you're on. Uh, yeah. Does, what does TCG stand for? It's uh, the golf club, TGC. Oh, oh I spelled it wrong. Um, it's a video game that they've had uh and they have this online society mode that you can play okay and so a group of guys it would have been eight or nine years ago now set up this this tgc society and so it's like a pga tour society where it's got everyone compiled together and you can play events and it's like a competitive tour okay so it's not affiliated with 2k it is uh, it so is you're, affiliated you're, with 2K. you're playing 2k oh, okay. it's just a society yeah. within yeah. there oh. And it's like it's managed separately, so like it has its own it has the, its own website and everything that you can go to and check the leaderboards for each um, each tour for that week. And so at the top is the platinum tour, which is like the PGA tour, and there's like 50 guys that are on that. The next tour is like the European tour; it's called the Elite. And the one down from that is like the Corn Ferry equivalent. That's the Kinetic tour. So that's what uh, Jang's just got promoted to, I think, last week, right? Uh, yeah, last week. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, so basically all the best of the best 2K players are playing in TGC Tours. It's just one four-round event every week, pretty much. Yeah. Yep. For sure. But I've never really gotten into it. I don't think I'm good enough. I, I, think, I, you, I think you'd be good enough to, to be a you know, mid-tier challenge circuit, and then as you play the game, you would work your way up. I mean, it's the same thing that was with Drew. He started out, he was a, you know, a mid challenge circuit guy. And now he's borderline a kinetic player. I also don't have the motivation to play four rounds of that game a week. So maybe four that, rounds a week and not having that motivation. That's, that's tough. That's, that's tough. I know. Uh, all right. Moving on to the PNC father, son, the only in my book, significant golf event that was going on this week. It's December. There's not a lot going on. Um, but Tiger played. So that makes it a big event in my eyes. Absolutely. So I figure I should just mention that VJ Singh and his son won just because they won. But I don't really, I didn't see a single shot from anyone that wasn't uh, Tiger or Charlie. Actually, no, I might have seen one shot from Jordan Spieth. And I think that's it, honestly. I don't even know if I saw a Team Thomas shot. Um, they finished tied for eighth, I think six shots back at 20 under, definitely a disappointing day. Cause there were 13 under yesterday. I think they were only seven under today. Had to take a few bogeys. Um, 
Tiger, he probably wasn't playing as good today as he was yesterday. Yesterday, he actually looked pretty solid. Charlie is apparently dealing with some sort of injury, so he's looking even more like his dad each day. Can we talk about that injury? Yeah, I think we should. That was something else. (laughs) Yeah, the... I think someone asked Tiger, and he said he's going through a growth spurt. I see. I heard. I, I saw that too. It was like, oh, what happened? And Tiger said growing pains or something. I've never heard that in my life before. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, go for it. I heard that he rolled his ankle like in the parking lot before the uh, the pro am on Friday. Which would make more sense because I feel like uh, in the practice round, so the practice round, or no, or was it the Pro-Am that they were wearing like their light gray or white or whatever? That I think was, that was the Pro-Am. That was the Pro-Am. But I think he looked pretty normal that day. Or, or no, was he, he was in that day too. He, he limped. They had a video of him and Tiger walking in from the parking lot, and he was limping walking through the parking lot. And they had some videos of his swings where he's taking like this abbreviated okay, yeah. swing. Uh, and you can tell he's in a little bit of pain, but. But see, a, that would make more sense. Okay. Cause then it was the first day. It was yesterday that I saw a picture of him hitting range. He had like a sneaker on his left shoe, on his left foot, but like a golf shoe on his right foot. And, but like, if he rolled his ankle, it'd just like say he rolled his ankle. Like I, I grew six inches in like a year. And when I was in high school, I mean, you don't, I feel like, I feel like getting, being sore from growing doesn't make you like not able to walk, but I could be wrong. I don't know. But yeah, that was, that was weird. It was like, Charlie was the more injured between the two of them. Yeah. Like I, I, Tiger out driving Justin. Tiger's smashing it actually. Yeah. I saw one, I mean the you know take a grain of salt with those ball speeds that they show on tv but um sure. i mean it's, it was like low 180s i think and yeah, it was like, like a 306 I saw, carry i saw 183 oh man that's moving it for tiger but you could i mean even you could just tell by watching it that there's a lot of speed there mm-hmm. obviously like everyone knows at this point it's just the walking around a golf course that's the problem and he's tiger he's never gonna take a cart at any event i know i you know like john daly is you know tried to get exceptions at certain events and um so i think he's able to take one at like the pga or something but honestly if tiger did that he'd probably be in the mix like that wouldn't surprise me at all but he just he has too much pride he would never do that you know you talk about tiger moving it how about charlie he's got like 117 club head speed see I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I... He's he's not even 14 yet. I'll wait until he's 16. So, I mean, I, I saw a lot of numbers coming out about Charlie. Like, uh, there was... At some point, people were saying he was in, like, the mid-170s for ball speed. And, like, 117 club head speed, like you said. But then, like... Also, people are saying his drives are going 260, 270, and it's like those numbers don't add up. And then I saw a tweet by Steve Flesh. He was like, someone said Charlie's in like 175 ball speed or whatever. He's like, I will eat my hat if he's even at 165. I mean, he's got a nice swing. There's no disputing that, but he's not even 14 yet. I mean, 
he's probably, you know, hitting it, yeah, 260, maybe 270 at the most, but. Yeah. I mean, he's got by far, I know they talk about, like, Tiger was like, oh, copy Rory's swing. That man copied Rory's swing. It, yeah, honestly. It's impressive. He's definitely got a nice move, but um, kind of goes into my next piece. The media coverage this week was, I think, very over the top. Like, the Charlie Woods coverage was insane. Like, I, I kind of feel bad for the kid. It's Like, can't he, ju- can't he just be, like, Tiger's son that's golfing with him? It's not like... And then people debating, will he be on tour someday? It's like, I don't... I don't think we should go there. I mean, it, it is like, difficult. Like I he's remember last year. That, oh, go ahead. No, you can go ahead, Mac. I just, I just remember last year, like a lot of like Charlie on the Florida circuit is like not even a top 100 player for like the AM circuit down there. That's the only thing I've, I've heard within the past year, but I mean, he played in the Nota Begay tournament, which is, Kind of a big deal. I don't know if he got like a. I think he qualified for it, but that's some. That's some big tournament. So, but he's. I mean, he's got his dad. So, and his dad is arguably the best player ever. So, I think he could. He could be good. I. I just. He's thirteen. <laughs> yeah, and I've seen what you saw. Is you know, I checked some of the scores when that Nota Begay thing was happening because there were a bunch of videos flying around the internet at that time too. It's like, I'm just curious what he was shooting. Not bad scores by any means, you know, pretty solid, but he wasn't at the top of the leaderboard, but maybe that's a lot to ask for because that's a huge junior event, but it's not like we need to pretend like he's anything near what his dad was at that age. I mean, he's a, he's a solid player. You know, he could probably be a really good high school player and, playing college if he wanted to, but you know, we should give him some space, I think. What are you going to say, Jenks? Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's young. He, he's got time. Uh, if he is going to develop into this this all-star player, I mean, looking, you mentioned the Nota Begay thing I just looked up. He did shoot 68 uh, in the qualifying round to qualify. So, I mean, he's. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's very impressive. I mean, I wasn't. I was doing the best I could to break ninety when I was thirteen. So, I mean, it's still incredibly. He's still a, an incredibly impressive player for that age. It's just you know he's not, but competitive golf, especially for juniors, is like by the year it's just getting better and better. Um. But yeah, just the uh, maybe, and maybe I'm just uh, on social media too much. But the coverage was like PGA Tour. I think yesterday posted a picture of his divot pattern from the range, and it just said like Charlie Woods was here. It's like, like I don't think, (laughs) I don't think we need to be doing that. Like it's fun to watch Tiger play, and it's cool that his son is a pretty nice golfer. But I think that's. Yeah, he. Uh, I don't think we need to lose our minds over it. He finished eleventh in the Nota Begay National Championship for his age division. For his age division, yeah, which eleventh I mean, out of thirty-three. It's oh, okay. 
Yeah, I mean, nothing to scoff at. Like, no. I might have, I might have undersold him. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. He's a, he's a good good player. And wasn't he wasn't he hovering around par for that event? Yeah, he shot one under for the event. Okay, I mean, uh, that's pretty good golf. Wasn't Winning it at score El Campion? under. It was at uh, Casati Pines at Cushada. Why was I thinking it was at El Campion? What were there were videos going around of him playing at? Yeah. Hmm. I just don't know what tournament it was, but yeah. Because I mean, you know, to be that's kind of how I was measuring it in my head is like shooting under par at El Campion, which would be. I mean, that's a tough track. If you don't know, um, oh, that was a. Is that at Mission Inn? Yeah. That was his qualifying round. Okay. That's where he shot 68? That's where he shot 68. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. That's legit. That's legit. For that's sure. a track. I think I shot that, 79 there. Yeah, that's where Mac and I played our first round at Natty's. Yep. First and only. Oh, man. Well, we played a second round, but we didn't play any other uh, any other rounds at Weren't the final two rounds both at El Campion? Yeah, I think they claimed that as like their championship course, and the other one was uh, Las Colinas. Yeah, Las Colinas. They went back to Mission in, I think, this past spring. For the girls. I think the guys were there. The The girls were in Houston. Oh, that's right. That's right. The girls are there this year. Okay. I don't know... I don't know what what's the deal with the NCAA in that that resort. I think yeah, the thirty six or the two different courses might be, but there's so many better courses. There's the amount of like better resorts that have two different courses on them is probably mm-hmm. like even the NCCAA playing at Hammock Beach. I mean that's 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 so much better than Michigan. <laughs> Two championship courses, too. I mean, I guess I haven't played the ocean course. I've heard the ocean course has better, you know, people like it a lot more than um, conservatory, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Noah's played there. Noah says it's insane. But I don't know how it how it stacks up in terms of resort course versus championship course. I mean, the conservatory is definitely a championship course. I did like the conservatory when we played there. Yeah. It's a great, that's yeah, it's a great track. Um, anything else on the father son? I mean, I really barely watched any of it. Just a quick Charlie take the irons that he's playing. Are those those butter knives? knives? Oh, yeah, they're like what Tiger plays, basically. That's insane. Like, I don't think it's hard to hit blades, but for like a 13 year old, I think I was. I was playing like, I was for sure playing shovels. There's no doubt about that. Well, yeah, I mean, I definitely was too, but I'm sure, I'm sure Tiger's got his reasons. And I mean, when he's got a good ankle, he apparently is a nice player. But <laughs> yeah, they're uh, tailor made P7CWs. Are you serious? Yep. Oh, my. Uh, that's hilarious. It looks similar to the P7 TWs, just slight modifications. Doesn't say what they are, but 
Um, it also appears Tiger's got him in the gym. I was. That's a good. I mean, his neck kind of looks jacked. Like it's not that he's just taller than last year. He is thicker than last year. <laughs> but I'm sure Tiger knows what he's doing. But interesting. Charlie's getting after it for sure. Um, I think don't Tiger's kids play soccer too? I know the daughter does. I don't know if uh I think I don't know if Charlie does. I think Charlie really wanted to play soccer for a long time and there was an interview, this would have been years ago, where Tiger was quoted saying, like, if if my children don't want to play golf and they want to play soccer, I'm gonna support them in whatever they do. Yeah, I would hope so. And then it was like right after that where all this news kind of started coming out about Charlie playing golf and they started playing the father son. And that's kind of been the, the takeoff ever since. I don't know why I just uh, started thinking of, cause I, I think at least the daughter plays, but, and then it got me thinking about the world cup today. Did you guys watch that final? I did not. I, I, I watched, uh, let's see what I started watching right after Messi's goal in the 109th minute. So then I saw... Was that to tie it? No, that was to go up three to two. Then a few minutes later, Mbappe. Mbappe, is that how I say it? Yeah, that's Mbappe. Um, He scored on a PK to go three, three. Then they, so they went to 120. Then they did, uh, they had, they added three minutes. And both teams, uh, France had a phenomenal look at it. Like in the last, like probably... 50 seconds to a minute and a half had such had a had an incredible shot uh like on goal and but the goalie for argentina had maybe the greatest save of all time and then on the other end argentina had a pretty good look at it but neither scored so then it went to a uh what's that called penalty shootout okay a penalty shootout yeah then i watched that it was I've never really got gotten into it, but it was pretty fun to watch, actually. Never mind. Not a big soccer guy. Well, yeah, and I, I've seen, those, like, the game between, like, United States and England that, you know, finished. What is the, what's the correct terminology? Nil-nil? Nil-nil. <laughs> and it's like, gosh, that just makes me – it's like, really? Do I really want to watch that? Uh, but then – you know, I, I happened to catch the end of the final today and people are saying, well, maybe it's the greatest like game in the history of the FIFA World Cup. So maybe that's why I'm I was actually into it. But, but yeah, the, uh, the bogey train football podcast. Um, all right. So on live golf, apparently this guy who was there, I think COO. Uh, you can tell how prepared I am. Well, our live guy's not here, so... Well, it's not like he would know this. He doesn't know anything. Yeah, it is their COO. Okay, this guy, his name was Atul? Atul? Um, Atul? I'm not sure exactly how you pronounce it, but Uh, Kosla. Yeah. He was the COO. Um, He was sort of seen as like the the level head, the serious guy behind the operation. So obviously you got Greg Norman coming out and like 
saying, you know, whatever pops into his head at any given moment. But this, this guy was sort of seen as, I think he came from the tap Tampa Bay bucks. Is that right? Yes. yes. And so he was sort of, you know, uh, very, a very instrumental piece, but more behind the scenes than Greg, you know, sort of like the serious businessman in the room. Uh, a lot of people thought, you know, relying on him, you know, he might be able to, he would sort of tell the truth more than Greg would be like, you know, um, you know, we don't need a TV deal. Like we have, we're doing just fine as it is. But then if you would have an interview with this guy, he'd be like, no, actually we need the TV deal and we're not going to survive if we don't get the TV deal and all this. So he was sort of more of a straight shooter. Um, but he left live. Um, I'm not exactly sure why. I don't know if you guys are more, um, keen on the details, but I just, uh, Seems significant. First first ball to drop? Like, is he the first guy to leave? I don't know if it means anything. Um, If he, if it, if we read into it that he is uh, looking long-term and not seeing something successful and wanting to get out at this point, or if it truly means nothing, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But it seems like the biggest names that have gone have already gone. I mean, I just don't expect them to get a lot more in terms of big names. That's kind of how they were staying in the news. So like if the rosters stay the way they are, and then the, the only story is just the golf itself. I don't, I mean, I don't see live garnering any more attention than it has. It's sort of going to have the fan base that already has. I don't really see it growing. But so of course Noah likes or cheers for the live tour, but like has he like claimed why he likes it? He uh, <laughs> that was a funny conversation. I think that was our second episode. That was one um, of our very first, yeah. He well he just you just you know what Noah's like. He's just not the most traditional golf guy. Um, he just, you know, likes it because it's new and different. And then they stream on YouTube and I mean, that's, I don't know. That's, that seems like kind of it, you know? Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. And just from going back to college golf, you can imagine some of the conversations we would have like in the van, like talking about golf history or whatever, you know? Uh, and that's just, Oh, he's a deer in the headlights. Yeah. It's just not as important to him, you know, as like, you know, you or me, like we could probably name who won the, Houston Open in 2012, <laughs> but yep. he's probably never heard of the Houston Open. <laughs> and so just like a new tour and that all that context of like history and what events like, you know, to golf fans, maybe like me and you, it's like, oh, what does this event mean to win versus a brand new live event? Like, that's not something that he's probably thinking about. He's like, oh, well, like new and different and cool and all this money and they stream on YouTube and you know, so I'm just looking at it differently, I suppose. Yeah, I could see that for sure. And Caleb. Caleb likes live? I could see Caleb hopping on the live train. I could see it, yeah. Yeah. The Johnsons. The Johnsons. Going over to Dustin Johnson. Uh, gosh, we've talked, yeah, we've talked a lot of live in the past, a lot of Phil. Um, just like quickly, like, what what's your take on this whole Phil thing? Like, is is Phil missed from like mainstream PGA Tour golf? Yeah, I, I mean, the last thing I saw him tweet about was him pretty much 
giving himself credit that he started the match. So I think he's like trying to stay relevant. I'm like, I don't want to say like American soil because they do play tournaments in America, but trying to stay relevant in general. And I've heard stories just from living in Arizona for a short stint that he is just, he's off the wall and he's just, I mean, obviously like the gambling things that's big time in Arizona too, like at the courses he built or played at. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's not surprising that he's, I guess, lost his, I don't know, legacy or, I, I mean, I, I'll be honest, I don't love the guy. I've, I've never been a huge Phil fan just because I think I've been, I've been on the Rory train and the, obviously Tiger too, but yeah, I just feel like Phil, I don't know. I feel like he just messed up big time. Yeah. And I was, uh, I was talking to someone I know, one of my good friends who has, who claims to have a source that is somewhat close to Phil and uh, heard some supposed details on what's going on in his personal life. And I can't confirm any of that, but um, you know, seems like some hot takes. I remember you saying them. Those are some hot takes. <laughs> was, was that the one that our pro was talking about at the pro-am too? Or is that a different one? No, I don't know what, um, I don't remember what you're referring to, but he said something about Phil and his wife. Well, I mean, it's probably the same thing we're talking about. Okay. But. okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, supposed it, it wife, was, alleged wife. It's uh, yeah. I don't. I mean, things aren't looking too good from the outside, or most likely from the inside for Phil right now. So, which is a shame because just last year he accomplished one of the greatest feats like in the history of pro golf. So to go from that to, you know, most likely not getting an invite to Augusta is, uh, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think he'll, I mean, he wasn't invited this year or did he choose not to go? He chose not to. I think that was like, but he also was suspended by the PGA tour at the time and no one knew about that. So, yeah, I think it was like, a. Hey, you probably shouldn't be here, but we're not going to say no. Kind of. Actually, now that I think about it, I think I remember him saying that he chose not to go. I don't think he was. Yeah, I don't think. And I think the masters even said they didn't like not invite him, but yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, if, I think that sounds right. I wouldn't be surprised if he's not invited uh, this coming year. But uh, that'll, be, that'll be interesting. Yeah, to not see him defend at the PGA was definitely like, what's going on here? That would have been great if he did. Just with all the headlines. But uh, all right. He's also not in the right. <laughs> Clearly. Area, I mean, even, even when he won that PGA, that came out of nowhere. Yeah. For sure. Like other than that, he hasn't played good golf in a long time, which was even crazier about that week. Is he had no form? Who picked Phil to win that week? Um, all right. So some end of the year. This is most likely our the last episode for the year. I'm thinking. 
I mean, next week's Christmas, the week after is New Year's. Don't think we'll be putting out any content. So uh, some just some uh, year in review stuff. I know we did our year end awards uh, episode a few weeks back, which was pretty fun. Um, but this is just some uh, stuff. If we haven't mentioned it so far, just kind of looking back at this year in golf on the course, off the course, uh, just some, yeah, just taking a look at it. So, uh, I'll start with, uh, we'll start with Jenks. Yeah. Like any, any like overall takeaways just from the year or, um, I mean, we'll get into some more specific stuff, but, uh, number one, go cats, Matt Fitzpatrick, major champion. Um, Overall, my number one takeaway is is Rory is back. I'm going to say it. I'm going to put it out. Official statement. Rory McIlroy is just back. He he found some form this year. He had some big wins. He won the, the Tour Championship in the FedEx Cup. Um, he, he put together some nice rounds in the majors, contended in, I think, three out of the four. You know, he was he had a shot to win. Um, I think 2023 could be the year he completes that career grand slam. I would love to see that. I, I think the game is just in form. I think he's, he's really getting everything figured out. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just high on Rory this year, which how could you not be? I mean, his, he's such a complete player right now at some point. He turned it around with the wedges. I think Tiger actually played a big part in that. Did you hear about that? Um, he said he met with Tiger. I think it was sometime like early in the spring. And they were kind of talking about distance control with wedges. And um, pers- I mean, that might have been what led to the turnaround in his wedge game. But he's just been – you should you should look into it, actually. Maybe I'll um, – but, yeah, he was – Forever from Augusta on, he was by far and away, I think, the, the best player in the world. Um, it just still seems like getting it done again in a major is a little bit of a hurdle. But uh, I agree. I think he I think he uh, picks one off in 2023, and I hope it's the Masters, unless uh, my boy Ricky sneaks his way into the top 50 and uh, gets an invite. But if not, which odds are he won't. I'll be cheering so, for Rory. Let's just say Rory wins the Masters. Is it going to be more headlines that he completed the Grand Slam? Or is it going to be more of like the, hey, all these top like top players on the Live Tour weren't invited to the Masters? So is that going to be like a downplay? Or well. Downplay his, his Masters if he does win? I don't think so. And I mean, I don't think Augusta is going to disinvite anyone who, you know, earned an invite. So I think anyone who is eligible through, you know, past major championships. So that would be DJ and Brooks. And um, I mean, I guess Bubba technically, even though he's not a threat. Um, DJ Brooks, Cam Smith, um, anyone, I think. uh, Louie? Not Louie. I think Taylor Gooch, his world ranking is going to be good enough. I think he just slipped inside the top 50 at the end of, well, for the end of this year. 
Um, I think Ricky might slip into that. That's why he needed to win the Zozo, because he would have got the invite. That was uh, and dude, no one, no one wanted to win that. I mean, he played awful the final round and lost by one. Like that was the day to do it. Keegan played bad. What was that? Andrew Putnam was he the other one? He played bad. That was the day to do it. Uh, but I don't think this is a Ricky episode. I could make any episode a Ricky episode, honestly. Every every episode could be a Ricky episode. That's true. Um, any uh, any overall takeaways for you, Mac? Other than uh, what? Other than Rory, because I know you're a huge Rory guy. Yeah, I mean Rory. I think. I think a big takeaway, like for me personally, was how much less golf Tiger is going to be playing in the future. Because I thought, like, yeah. Yeah, he's probably going to play in all the majors if he can. But that might be it moving forward. And that might be all the Tiger we get. I mean, I think we're going to get a lot of December golf Tiger, like in the years to come, just because of the match and the PNC and the Hero or whatever. But, I mean, I guess I didn't think – I thought Tiger was making – some good progress, and I think he is for sure. But I think we're finally coming to the end of watching a full—I mean, like ten plus events of Tiger. So I think that was like my biggest takeaway: was we're only going to see Tiger maybe three, four, or five times this year. Hmm. Yeah, and you know that's obviously how it played out this year. He clearly was struggling at Augusta. I mean, played played pretty solid the first round, but just definitely ran out of gas after that. Ended up having to – he made the cut somehow at the PGA, but had to pull out after – or during the third round, I think. Um, he didn't even play the U.S. Open, right, at um, Brookline? No, he didn't. Didn't play the U.S. Open and then, uh, you know, played not great at um, – the old course at the open missed the cut by a considerable margin. So it's just, and that sort of seemed like the, okay, if Tiger can contend anywhere, it's the old course. So there was kind of a lot of hype running up because, you know, it's not the hardest walk in the world. He's won there a thousand times, but yeah, you know, this, that's, you know, that's how it is going forward and competitive events, like absolutely max five times a year. Most likely less than that. And then if you're only playing competitively that many times a year, what are the odds you're going to be playing well enough when you do play? If you're healthy enough to get around the course to like play well enough to actually be in contention. So yeah, the odds we see tiger just win another event is, I don't know. It's hard to imagine at this point, but I mean, the events, the events he's going to play are going to be the events that he just has the best chance of winning as well. You know, if, if there's anybody I'm going to take at a masters, like, I mean, Tiger's just the guy he's won there so many times, no matter like if he hasn't played, if he doesn't play in, from now until the masters, like he's still going to be a guy who can potentially show up and contend. I just, I hope you're right. I just don't see it. 
But I also didn't see the Vikings coming back from down 33-0 yesterday. So speaking on Tiger, does anybody know what he's ranked in the world right now? I have it pulled up. Isn't it? I think it's like 1300 something. Yeah, he's uh 1278. Okay, I was close. I think if I uh I think if I win the mid-am next year, I'll be above that. Will that be your first mid-am? I'm just kidding. Yep, I'm going to be playing in uh, my first mid-am events next year, so that's going to be fun. God, you're getting old. Yeah, didn't you just turn 25 like that's a week ago? Point. That's not the point. I'm not even 25 yet. Uh, Played golf on Wednesday, and I was in pain. Yeah, you. I, I was talking to my wife about it, honestly. I think you spend so much time around 50-year-olds that like you – are actually becoming one. Like you're, oh. you're, you're not 25 anymore. <laughs> you might be right. Like all, yeah. <laughs> the average age of the guys you play golf with is like around 50, probably. Yeah, as long as I can shoot under their average age, then I'm fine. On nine? Yeah. Well, if I could do it on 18, that'd be good too. That's why. Yeah, that's why we got it. You know, playing playing more tournaments, so um, you know, just get the uh, expectations back to where they need to be. Or is that too? That's too stressful. No, it's not. I'm I'm coming back around. I'm starting to hit my my college golf form again. There we go. Uh, okay, was there a favorite moment? of the year like just um my overall takeaway is just like i mean i i guess the live thing is the biggest story i just hate what uh men's pro golf has become i'm not going to go into it any deeper than that we've probably talked about all of it but it's just too bad that that's what it's like you know that max like four times a year we'll see cam smith and dustin johnson competing in the same event as all the best players on tour so, um, all right. A favorite moment and or uh, best shots. So, Mac, you can go first on this one. Best shots. I'd probably say, even though I really wanted Rory to win the Open, I'd probably say my favorite moment was kind of just watching that back then because it was back and forth. It was at the old course. I mean, everyone was cheering for Rory. You could tell, but I mean, Cam Smith kind of just balled out at the end, and I'd probably say that was one of my favorite moments. And I didn't watch a whole lot of golf this year, minus like the majors, but I'd probably say that was my favorite moment, even though my favorite player did not win. I think I know the answer on this next one, but Jenks. Oh, I had two. Okay. Um, I'm going to go favorite moment uh, is the, the tiger standing on the Swilkin bridge on 18 uh, walking across in the second round as Rory's walking up the first fairway uh, and just the ovation there, just an all time moment. Uh, You know, just watching the clips of that still, just you just get chills and tear up a little bit watching that 
Uh, best shot. I'm assuming this is the one you thought you knew or think you know. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick out of the bunker on the 72nd hole at the U.S. Open. That was you know, not, sick. Not an easy shot. Lip right in front of him. Uh, takes, I believe it was a nine iron and just rips a butter cut right on the flag. Ends up winning the U.S. Open. Great. Uh, great U.S. Open this year at Brookline. Uh, it no really was to do it too, especially with him winning the uh, the U.S. Am there uh, many many years ago. Uh, his family who was there, uh, just a, a great great shot and a great tournament. My Matt Fitzpatrick fandom increased significantly this year. He was not on my radar a whole lot, but. His swing is awesome. The distance he gained is super cool. That he can just like keep hitting it as straight as he does, but just gain a whole bunch of club head speed just because he felt like it. And uh, yeah, he's just he's just uh, he just stripes the ball. So um, I'm trying to think because the Masters. I mean, Rory, when he was kind of charging on the back nine at Augusta, eagled 13 and ended up pulling out from the bunker on 18, even though it didn't bring him all that close. Like there really was never a real chance of him finishing it off. Because I think, I mean, even when he holed out, he was probably still like four or five shots behind Scheffler. Um, didn't, I know JT hit a super good three wood. Was that in the playoff at the PGA? Uh, because 17 was that drivable par four or was that 16? I think it was 17. 16 was a par five. Um, that drivable par four and he just roped a three wood onto the green in the playoff. I think if I can remember correctly. Yeah, I think that sounds right. And I mean, that one, you know, so the playoff between him and Zalatoris, obviously that was a really good, really exciting event too. But the quality of golf, and maybe Southern Hills is just that tough, which it is, but, you know, kind of seemed like, that almost also seemed like one of those events where um, all the guys sort of struggled coming down the stretch and it just is like JT sort of backed his way into a playoff. So... But yeah, like I said, that shot he hit on um, 17 with three wood. Cam Smith, I mean, obviously we already mentioned him at the open, but the shot he hit on 17 at the players, uh, taking it right of the flag and throwing a dart to like four feet was absolutely stones. Um, Ricky Fowler-esque. That, yeah, that was sick. Um. I know Mac just took off for a second. Did you did you hear that shot I was mentioning? Uh, Cam Smith on 17 at the players, taking it right of the hole. That's right. That was. I totally forgot about that. That was. I know. Like basically, the PGA Tour is trying to wipe all of our memory that Cam Smith w- won that event this year. But um, that I mean that was awesome. I mean the players, the whole thing. I think it got it got delayed a whole bunch because of weather, like in wind and stuff. But Watching those guys pl- try to play that course in like 30 mile an hour winds is pretty fun. Oh, yeah. 
you love to see them struggle. <laughs> Especially Brooks, his hat flies off and his bleached hair is flying all around. He's just laughing because he got it like halfway to the green on 17. You can inject that that content directly into my veins. I for I forgot about bleached hair Brooks Kepka. It's such a bad look, but it's just total Brooks. Yep. Um all right, so were there any players that were like a significant disappointment this year? Ricky. Oh shit. Well, I don't know. I mean, Finishing in the top 125 after a year where he didn't, I mean, I call that job security. I don't know what you call it. I just want him to win a tournament. I just want him to be back. No, yeah, he literally was never in calendar year 2022. Well, okay, I guess the Zozo. um, But in the previous season, so up until the playoffs, he literally was never in contention in one event. So that was tough. So, yeah, definitely a disappointment. But from someone that you were actually expecting to play well. Can't really think of a whole lot. Maybe Tommy Fleetwood. Daniel Berger didn't play too good. I don't know. Um, I have an interesting one I just thought of, actually, but I want to hear if you guys have any. I, I'm just always disappointed in can't play. Like, the, the guy just needs to figure it out in a big-time tournament. You're not wrong about that. For the cal, we've talked about this too. I think on one of the shows, but the for the caliber of player he is, his results in majors is pretty terrible for his standards. That's a good pick. Can't lie. Yeah, I have a really interesting one, Morikawa. Oh, that's a good one too. Because looking into some of the data. Um, he basically played just as good as he did in previous years, but he just didn't have those weeks where he got hot with the putter. So he, so it feels a lot more disappointing than, than he actually was playing just cause he, you know, wasn't racking up the wins like he has in the past. But I think I, yeah, that was really, inf- uh, really interesting because he's, there was not really a drop off in the way he was hitting the ball but just didn't have those weeks where he got hot on the greens. That's a good one. What about uh, Jordan Speed? Did he get a win this year? He did. Uh, it was the week after the Masters. Um, RBC Heritage. Okay. Which is really interesting because he putted awful that week. Yeah, that was like one of but his worst putting weeks. It was, I mean, it had to have been by far and away the worst he's ever putted in a win. Like, it wasn't even his, one of his better putting, probably in the bottom half of his putting performances for events for the year, but he just was hitting the ball that good. I feel like I saw something that, like, statistically, that was one of the worst putting weeks for a winner ever. Yeah, I think you're right. He did have a second place at the Byron Nelson and the Pebble Beach Pro-Am okay. as well. Yeah, Spieth uh, in the majors, I mean, he's never even sniffed, uh, you know, having a good run at the career Grand Slam at the PGA. How many tries has he had now? Uh, A few. 17, 18, 19, 20, 20. Has he had six tries now? 
Because in 17 is when he won the Open, so there would have been the PGA after that at Quail. And uh, yeah, he's had six. I mean, I don't think he's ever been in contention since then. Uh, The PGA, he's had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He's played in the PGA ten times. Well, yeah, I just meant since winning his third major. Oh yeah, six. So since it was the, yeah. Um, any other disappointments before we get go the other direction? I'm trying to think if I can think of any from like either of the Ryder Cup teams last year. Like Tommy Fleetwood, his game's kind of starting to turn around. Kevin uh, Kisner. Kev, I mean, I don't <laughs> expect anything from Kevin Kisner. I expect one win per year. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm just thinking of those 2021 Ryder Cuppers. I mean, Daniel Berger was probably the most significant drop off. Here's one. Okay. Hideki Matsuyama. Ah, there's maybe something to that. I think he still had multiple wins on the season though. Well, did he? Yeah, because in the previous fall, he won the Zozo. And then he won the Sony in January. So they're very early in the season. I didn't remember him winning. Maybe that's just on me. Yep. He won the Zozo and the Sony. The Sony, he won in a playoff uh, on the par five. I think par five 18th. He hit three three wood from 277 to like two and a half feet. It was sick. (laughs) I mean, outside of that, though. Victor Holland. Even though he just won the Bureau. Oh, Victor Hovland, that's a good one. See, I think right. I, I've liked Victor Hovland this year, I think. I think this is a good year for Victor. Uh, I don't know. He's he's a he's maybe maybe I don't know what to make of that guy. Bias, but. Definitely is not getting the results in big events that you would want. Um Okay, um, we'll go back to some of that later, but I just have, since we have Mac here, I've got a few few questions for him. Uh, okay, so we talked about some of the stuff like with the intro and everything. Um, something I wanted to mention. Your only hole-in-one, is that correct? Still have one? Correct. I do is, is on camera. I do have a simulator hole-in-one, but that does not count. A simulator hole-in-one. <laughs> I have a PGA 2K hole-in-one. Maybe that counts. Um, but your only hole-in-one is on camera, and I happen to be there. But what are your uh, what do you remember from that? And, like, I don't know, I guess, what are your uh, overall thoughts on having it on camera? Yeah, so the, the whole thing was to obviously get it on camera. And was it me, you, and Noah? Is that... Yep. I think that was a group. And um, I, I think it was just that weekend we were just like, let's let's record our our three holes just in case we get a hole in one. And it's probably on one of the coolest par threes in Minnesota. No doubt about that. It's like, who could put it from 200 yards? Seems about right. Yeah. It was like, yeah, right around 200 or high 190s, something like that. Yep, and I honestly didn't hit it pure. 
I thinned it, and it was going right at it. And I was just kind of like, whatever, like hit the front of the green, and all of a sudden Noah says, that might have gone in. And we were trying to check the footage before and everything, but couldn't see it, which is a disappointment. But, I mean, we have the swing on camera, so we obviously go up and check the cup first and it's in the cup and honestly the coolest thing is I eagled the hole before so I went eagle ace yeah on the scorecard if you but eagle ace and I finished double bogey just because I I don't think I was on the planet at that time and I had a double bogey before the eagle so that's hilarious even par for the last four through the last four holes with two two eagles technically but that's hilarious yeah that's and i'm i'm gonna post those videos after this but he hits it it's on a great line we can't really see it probably just the angle of the sun and just how far away it was but Mm -hmm. you know we could tell it was on a good line and he's walking away and uh you could you could hear Noah because Noah was recording. He says, "Might be in, might be in." <laughs> yeah, yep. Classic. I I think I have the video too for when we went up to the green and realized. Oh yeah, that's it was right. in. So, um, and then I went right after you, and I absolutely flushed it, and but and then we my pitch mark was like a foot and a half from the hole. Ended up like it was ended up probably like fifteen feet away, but um, that would have been crazy if like my if I just dunked it after yours rolled in. That would be unheard of. And the yeah, we were doing that same weird format where it's one v two, and so then Noah ended up double bogeying the hole. So I two putted for par, and so then I tied you guys because you guys were on a team, which was hilarious. You guys made an ace and couldn't even beat me on the hole. <laughs> He, he hit it in the lake or something. I don't know. Yep. Um, all right. So you are uh, technically a PGA professional. How, like, what's your designation technically? So I, if we want to get specific, I am an A8, which is a, an assistant professional in the PGA program right now. So there's three levels in the PJ program, and there's a test after each level. And I'm currently still on level one just because of things. I mean, life kind of got crazy with having a kid last year, things like that. So um, currently an A8, which is a fancy term for just an assistant professional, pretty much beginning in the golf business. So that's where I am right now. And, um, yeah, now I'm just got, uh, a teaching professional job at a golf club about 20 minutes from where I am currently located. So that is one of my passions in golf is to teach and we'll see what happens with that. That's sick. Um, honestly, only 20 minutes is pretty, you know, solid, especially being up in the in the cities and you never know where you might be able to find a position. So I know you guys just moved, right? Yeah, we did. We just moved to uh Chaska, Minnesota about a week ago. So did you, 
have the place before you got the job or what, or did it depend on the job or how was that decision made? It was not depending on the job, but we were, I'm trying to think, we put in an offer and it got accepted. We were just waiting for our closing date and I got the offer like a week before our closing date. So things kind of just fell into place. It was crazy. That's sick. Yeah. So, um, when does that start? So technically it kind of has already started, but I'll be officially working at Island View April 3rd. Okay. So I'll be doing like some inside winter golf simulator stuff. Okay. Which is kind of on request. So I'm technically not working right now, but we'll get some winter golf going here in the new year. Okay. That was, yeah, that was one of my questions. So if, um, just, I guess how much instruction is involved and like, what does that look like in the winter? If anything? Yeah. So I, I don't know based off of like the other course I worked at, uh, previous to the new one. I, a lot of the members go down to like Florida. That's kind of the hot spot. So, I mean, I think a lot of the time, and it, it really depends on what course I'm, or what course you're working at in Minnesota, but um, I think for this course, a lot of the people do stick around in Minnesota. It's a semi-private course, and yeah, I've found a spot um, that they do like a prorated discount for, uh, I guess, assistant professionals or teaching professionals, so um that was something that was great to find so just once we start the new year i guess i'll probably just send out like a couple emails and just be like hey if you guys are around like and want to get like a lesson or whatever um we can both go to this place and get a quick lesson going so um i think it's just going to be based off of requests for this first winter hope for the next winter um Island View will get like a, so Island View is the course I'll be working at. We'll get like a simulator inside that's hopefully in the books. So we'll sweet. See. Yeah. So what are your thoughts just overall on working in the golf industry? Like is on a, on a very general basis, like would you recommend it to people who are super into golf? That's a tough question. I'd say, I'd say if you want to play more golf in your lifetime or like after college, I'd say not to get into the golf industry just because you're at the course so much that you almost want to be not at the course. So, I mean, you're putting in 50 hours to how many hours you're working. Some guys put in, they're just there all the time. So I think a lot of the time, at least when I've worked in the golf industry, someone asks to play like after my shift, I'm, I'm like, ah, I don't know. I just kind of want to leave the course right now. And it just, it, it kind of just drags on you. Even though it is seasonally, it is a grind, but I think, yeah, I, I wouldn't say like that's the sole reason to get into golf. I think a lot of people get into the golf industry to think they're going to play more golf. And that sometimes doesn't happen. So, um, I, it's, I think 
when COVID hit the golf industry, golf got super popular, but the behind the scenes golf got like a lot of people were leaving the golf industry. So that, that was something that I was maybe going to follow that and get out of the golf industry, but um, I stuck it out and got this new teaching job. So I think, yeah, I just think if you have a super big passion in golf, you just need to put in your time and work on getting to your, to the highest level that you want to be at. So with the new position, is there, is it, mostly individual lessons or is there like group settings with like junior stuff or all of the above or what? Yeah, it's kind of all the above. Um, I think majority of my hours are going to be with individuals, but um, I solely will run the junior program. Um, I'll do like couples, like, like date night clinics or whatever, things like that. And um, like a lot of the ladies, tend to think of golf as a pretty intimidating uh, sport. So um, more of a just make the lesson with like a group of ladies more fun rather than intimidating. And mm-hmm. um, that, I mean, you hear it a lot, like grow the game of golf. That's just the biggest thing is keeping them coming back, keeping a smile on their face. That's just the biggest thing. And, building relationships too. That's something that's, um, big for me too. Um, I would think that maybe the better players are then sort of the more individualized, any like teaching or drills would be maybe, maybe I'm incorrect thinking that, but for on a very, it's like for high handicappers or beginners, are there any drills or any sorts of things that you, what kind of think of as a go-to that's like, this is just how to get the very basic like motion of a somewhat like correct golf swing. Sure. Just because, you know, some people when they start, it's just, you know, there's some, there's some fundamentals that have to be there. So I don't know if you have um, anything in that regard. I'd say majority of the people I've taught that are more of the high handicappers um, I honestly start with the driver. That's the biggest thing that I start with. And just because that's the biggest face and that'll get them the most confident. Mm-hmm. Especially hitting off a tee. For sure. So when I was at Nationals and kind of a tight par five, I think this was at Las Colinas. And I just hit my driver absolutely terrible on the range. And I step up to the tee, and I'm like, we're just going to go with the three wood. Topped it. So now, from here on out, I whip out the driver. So, um, yeah, I think just having that big space, or that, that just that big face is something I just gravitate towards as an instructor, just to get them excited about getting the ball up in the air. I wouldn't say, like, I mean, if someone's like super over the top when it comes to their golf swing, that's like something I'll change pretty quick. Um, but other than that, I don't like if they're slicing it or they're like if they're not over the top, but they're slicing it. 
it's just a couple tweaks here and there. Um, but yeah, I just tend to try to get them to hit the ball up in the air. And yeah, obviously getting off the tee is the biggest thing. I mean, Tony Finau says like, I really only focus on putting and driving. So that's something that I've taken into my teaching is like, let's focus more on the driving and putting. And obviously irons are a huge part, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think that's sort of just like, now obviously, you know, practicing that part of the game helps, but if you can't get off the tee, what rather, or, you know, whether it's just hitting it, you just can't hit it straight or you just can't hit it at all. I mean, golf is just, isn't fun. Like, you know, just being able to get off the tee and in play is such a big piece of just keeping it like fun, you know, rather than just completely miserable. And then, you know, same with putting, I know, (laughs) um, maybe a little bit to less of a degree, but, um, Oh, I had a question. Okay. What do you think of the theory? So like if there was a youngster that was getting into the game, just a junior, um, I've sort of seen this a lot in the recent years is basically when you're teaching them how to play, it's basically, um, teach them to swing bait, swing as hard as they can and hit it as far as they possibly can. And then rein it in later. Like, what do you think about that approach? I think that's such a, that's, I've heard that too. And I mean, it kind of goes both ways. Like you can, I think Bryson was one of the first people to say that if I'm not mistaken or tiger, but I think, it might have honestly been Justin Thomas that said that, but um, I think I think that's a great philosophy. Like a, like a George Gankus, he's kind of like in that realm of things because um, you can. I think you can teach speed, but I think it also comes a little natural, and to get them just swinging fast right away, if they can handle it, I think that's. Like you got, you just kind of gotta, um, yeah. You just kind of gotta look at the like, look at the player and just be like, okay, I can see this guy more as like an artist or more as a bomber. I think that's the biggest thing. And um, I mean, you can't, you can teach speed based off of like these speed trainings that are coming out now. But mm-hmm. I think that teach or just getting them to swing hard is more fun personally. Um, I was not taught that way. I was taught to have a fluid swing, if not slow swing. So that's something that I've maybe gravitated towards. More teaching is probably on the slower side of things, but I mean, if someone's like, I don't know if they're like hooking the ball just because their swing is so slow and they're like starting to flip at it, Mm-hmm. I think if you teach them to swing faster, their body will get ahead of the club or their hands will just kind of, yeah, their hands will just be behind the swing and they'll start to hit it straighter. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it kind of just depends on the player, but I do think we are getting into the modern or like for years to come of more of these juniors, like a Charlie Woods, like a, yeah, they're just, I think they're starting to hit the weight room and 
think the biggest thing is these kids are flexible too. And that's just going to keep going too with them. And another thing with that is a lot of times speed training. So if all you're focusing on is just, you know, building up club head speed and ball speed, the more speed you can generate, that does sort of teach you good mechanics. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to, you know, get 120 club head speed, 180 ball speed or whatever with a bad swing. Mm-hmm. So it sort of um, automatically teaches some of the right things, especially with, you know, the downswing and sequencing and all that. So I definitely see why people do that. But yeah, that's not whenever I had lessons or that's just not how it was even, you know, and I'm, it's not like I'm old, like we said, I'm turning 25 soon, but yeah, it's just a new philosophy. That's sort of, um, you know, and it's definitely a weapon because if, because if you can, if you can rein it in and be like Tony Finau and I mean, his swing on tour is just a fairway finder, but he's still like top 10 in distance. Like if he's actually, trying to hit it as far as he can he can hit it you know he can have 206 ball speed mm-hmm. uh yeah so it's definitely a weapon not the way i was taught but you definitely see like what like you said gank i mean i follow him on social media he's always posting pictures of his students swings i mean they're absolutely falling out of their shoes mm-hmm. and you know they're just on a driving range and then he'll show you the numbers it's oh you know 190 ball speed or whatever it was you have no idea where the ball went um yeah, it's just a, a new way of looking at it, I guess. Yep. So speaking of, just like George Gankis is one that comes to mind. There's other, you know, popular teachers out there. Do you have any, like, theories that you think, like, like that sort of, you know, that's the way I think is the most, you know, the best way to teach it, maybe the most correct way to swing or, like, the, just because I follow him and he posts a lot, that's kind of what comes to mind. He's sort of the shallow the club as much as possible and then just turn through it. Like he's trying to have your head and chest completely open at impact. Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that? The George Gankis move is, it's interesting because he does have really good junior players. And I mean, most of them do have pretty darn good swings when it comes to getting it in the slot is kind of what he calls it. And I think just a lot of juniors gravitate towards him because he's not like like a Heidi tidy teacher or instructor. He's kind of a he's kind of a goon. He's kind of a clown. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. But I think it's just a little too much from my perspective. I've been looking at this guy. His name is Adam Porzak. He's also in California. Um, trying to think, one of his top guys. He's had the biggest one right now is Travis Bick. He's a Texas, I don't know if he's an alum. I think he's still on the team, but that's one guy that's like, I think I sent you a swing like a month ago, Nick, or something. But I think, so Adam Porzak, I actually reached out to him the other day and I was like, what's like your philosophy? And he's like, I was a really good player in high school and college and I think he's his back gave out or something and he was just like I found this passion of teaching and he's like I just base it off of what I've done um, with my swing and that's kind of the approach that I've taken with 
um, teaching uh, my clients or whatever people that approach me. So that's kind of the biggest thing is um, I want to teach you how to play golf rather than have like a bomber's mentality or um, a perfect swing. I want to see how you play on the golf course. And if you can get the ball in the hole by bombing it and swinging like George Mankus, by all means, that's that's totally fine with me. But, um, I mean, everybody's swing is totally different. So that's just been the biggest thing is following these guys on Instagram. And a lot of the George Mankus guys do swing kind of the same. They kind of take it outside and then drop it way inside and then just rotate the crap out of it. So it's mm-hmm. it's... It's a good philosophy, but it's it's kind of wild. Yeah, and sort of something you touched on there is like there's some some dudes I follow on you know like Instagram or something because I think they have a really cool swing and you know I just like seeing what they post. But for example, there's this guy I follow. Um, I think he started with working with Gankus. He kind of ha- does his own thing now. Like he's uh, um, he helps people and does instruction and all this, but. He's always posting these drills he's doing to work on his swing. It's always like be better at shallowing the club and rotating and wants to get a certain look at impacts and everything. And it's like, you know, sometimes I'll just be like, you know, that's great, but what do you shoot? Mm-hmm. You know, like what you said, like just teaching people how to play golf. Obviously, there's swing fundamentals and, you know, some swings, you just can't play good golf with that swing. And there is some work you got to do on it, but uh scorecard doesn't care how much you shallow the club or you know if your if your chest is open enough at impact or you know things like that there's so many ways to play golf yeah and you know the the thought that obviously uh you know distance is a bigger and bigger part of the modern game and everything but i mean yeah at the professional level it is but it's not like they're lengthening average courses. No. You know, you just, if you're just an average Joe who likes to play golf and you want to, well, I want to see if I can get better. I mean, trying to hit it farther might help you, but you know, if you're not playing 7,600 yard, you know, tour courses, it's not like you need to be going out and trying to add all this ball speed, Yeah. Yep. but it's all about getting in the hole. It is. It is. Um, all right. Quickly, who is like? What's your favorite move on tour, other than Rory? I mean, I, I feel like Rory. Rory. Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably Unless it is Rory, then I guess I wouldn't want. To, don't need to take that off of the board. I'd honestly say I have two guys. I'd say Victor Hovland is one of my most recent favorite moves. And, okay, Victor. Um, that's a super unique move, Victor. Yep. And Tommy Fleetwood? Yeah, I've kind of been... Gorgeous golf swing. I just love the sawed-off finish. I've... Do you know that started as a drill? It did. I did all that, yep. And then he just kept it going. Um, I think his coach was trying to get him better at hitting uh, punch shots and also just, like, his sequencing overall. And so, like, all he did every time he hit range was just, like, just hit punch shots with every club. And he yes. started obviously striping it, and that's just his swing now. His head movement is interesting, too, how much his head moves in general. But 
the Victor Hovland swing is interesting because he's it's not necessarily like over the top, but it kind of looks like it from a fast motion or like just a normal speed. But that's the thing is his hands, his hands are his hand his hand path is over the top, but the club shallows in transition, so it's perfectly fine. Yeah, and yeah, I just. I mean, since watching him from the USAM when he won it, um, yeah, I just feel like that if he can figure out his, I think his chipping is pretty darn bad still, and his putting is so-so, um, but yeah, I just I just think that's one of the most unique swings, and um, obviously it's working at the Hero World Challenge, but um Hopefully he can get going with that swing, and I think that swing could. It's kind of. I don't want to say it's like a Matthew Wolf action because it's not at all, but it's, it's up there with like uniqueness of golf swings on the tour. Mm-hmm. So that's like a personal favorite, but Rory is obviously like. Picture perfect. Adam Scott is kind of picture perfect. Um. But yeah, I think Victor is one of the coolest swings to watch. What do you think of JT? I feel like he's sort of like almost the anti-George Gankis swing. Yes, I would say. I mean, the club does shallow, but he it's just, it's a totally different type of move. I think based off of his swing, just the like, the like fluidity. I, I don't think that's the right word, but how fluid his golf swing is and just how how far he hits it still, but, and then he just hits driver and he's just absolutely wild. And then once he puts an iron in his hand, he's, it's just so smooth. That's just something that's always stuck out to me. JT. Yeah. yeah he's just a shot maker. He's like, you know, not as someone say like a track man golfer, you know, just like good at get putting the numbers up on a track. Like he, you know, he plays better. And I think in harsher conditions, just because, He's sort of a tiger-like, um, you know, like you said, super good at controlling the irons and everything. Um, I mentioned him earlier. I think Matt Fitzpatrick. I didn't. I never really liked his swing before, but this year, have I my appreciation for it grew a lot. He's another one where it looks like he's his hands are over the top a little bit, mm-hmm. but um, super cool uh, action. What's that? He's a big time speed trainer, apparently. Oh yeah. Like starting to hit the weights and everything, it's it's kind of weird. <laughs> um, Jings, anything from you on? Um, if you're out there, he doesn't have his camera on, so I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I'm here. I know uh, Max just has a couple minutes left, so if, if you've got any other questions for him, or just um, on this conversation of our favorite swings, um. I guess my favorite swing, you guys mentioned it. I actually really do love Victor Hovland's swing um, from a professional standpoint. Uh, from a more of an amateur standpoint, if you follow like YouTube or anything like that, uh, Nick, I think you know where I'm going with this, Grant Horvat. Oh, I do okay. love his swing. Um, yeah. You know, and they're two kind of different looking swings, but. I just think... kind of the motion, the the term that Mac used, the fluidity of it. Um, 
how he gets through it just looks looks nice to me. That's a swing that I kind of want to model a little bit. Yeah, his swing is sick. I think Mike is is I think Mike is just slightly better, Micah Morris. But he's yeah, rip to good good because those are the two best players I think. But uh, at least yeah. they still got Steven. <laughs> yeah, that is tough for good good. But also, I mean, you know, if they've got other aspirations, there's maybe that's an episode for another day. Grant on, Grant on the pod. Yeah, I said, hey, t- please tell us all the details of how that went down. I, I watched some of the content surrounding it. Supposedly, good, good. I mean, they even said themselves they threw quote the the kitchen sink at Grant to try to get him to stay. Which I wonder what that offer was. Honestly, what that even means. But, um, all right, looks like. Uh, Max sending it off, but I gotta go. Huge thanks for coming on. Yep, thanks for coming on. Uh, quick round of applause, Max Aby. Thank you guys. All right, all right take care. See you guys. You get back to your kid and uh, give my or give your family all the best from me. And uh, thanks again for coming on. Sounds good. Thank you, boys. Uh, are you still there? I'm still here. Oh, okay. I couldn't tell you were still here. <laughs> All right. Um, just back to the OGs now. Really appreciate Matt coming on. He might have uh, not known how long these things take sometimes, but uh, fair play. You know, you got got a wife and kid. You got stuff going on, but he made it work. We will definitely try to get him back on again. Um. All right, so we've got some other Christmas stuff to go over. You know, I know that was a point of contention last week. Oh, um, results we from last about, week's yeah, poll. Yeah, yeah. No, results? we haven't talked about it yet. Okay, results from last week. Here we go. Now this is the, the real business. Last week was the uh, the four clubs, right? Uh, yes. Pulling up these results here. Okay, so the official results from Instagram. If I can uh, pull it up here. Again, just completely prepared. Uh, Archive. Okay. So, and when we posted them, I just did, you know, option one, option two, option three, because the odds everyone, you know, got to that point in the episode before I put the poll up is pretty, uh, pretty small. Option one was yours. So driver, four iron, nine iron, 52 degree wedge. Um, Option two was mine, three wood, five iron, eight iron, 54 degree wedge. Option three was Noah's, three iron, seven iron, 60 degree wedge and putter. And option one and option two, so both of ours tied at 43%. And uh, Noah was behind the pack at 14%. Um. Noah's just not very good at these things, it appears. No, and, you know, that must have been the reason he uh, ended up not coming on tonight. Uh, might have to give him a quick FaceTime, see what he's up to. But And we talked about it when we were uh, doing some 2K. And uh, I, I, I decided I'm just going to claim victory here. 
um, because I do recall in the last episode that we went through our list and after, you know, after everything was said and done, you even yourself said, um, you know what, Nick, I think your list is the best. That is that a, is that a correct retelling of history? Yeah, it might be a little alternate history. I don't know if I ever said that, but uh, you can go back and check the tapes, I suppose. You might find me saying something of the sorts, saying that you'd maybe get my vote. Um, and so just with uh, you saying that, but then also you voting for your own, you know, it just sort of, I don't know, makes me question the integrity of your vote. What do you but think about we're, that? We're all winners except for Noah. Yeah, uh, that's true. 60 degree wedge and putter. I mean, if we could somehow, when it's nice out again, make that happen. Um, um, when it's nice out again and just actually go and play. I mean, even if it's just nine holes. Yeah, that would be fun. Actually, with these setups, that would be pretty fun. I feel I feel pretty good about mine. I feel, obviously. I, I like mine. So... We had a snake draft, I mean, set up for tonight. I, I say we still run it. Just okay. with us two. With us two. Do we make the list longer to make it harder? or? I, I say we take five each. Okay. Five each. So it's not really a Mount Rushmore anymore. It's a... Uh... It's a Mount Rushmore plus crazy horse. <laughs> it's a... Uh... Is there some, anything significant that has like... Five. Ah, I'm not even gonna think about it. We call it a top five. Um, the five guys list. It's, it's a five guys. There it is. It's okay, not, so that's not an octagon. That's a pentagon. It's the pentagon. That's what we're doing. National monuments. So should we just get right into it? Or is there any anything else we need to preface? Um, I I think we can get right into it. Okay. Um, I'm going to send a quick message to Noah. <laughs> um, yeah, well, Nick's doing that. Our, uh, our Pentagon this week, not a Mount Rushmore. Uh, we are going to be picking five, unless Noah does just all of a sudden join us. But we're going to be doing Christmas movies this week. Um, like was said earlier in the episode, a point of contention between us in some ways. Uh, some Christmas movies some people like, some people don't like others. Uh, but I did prepare for this one this week, Nick. I did go I, through and I got a list of 12 in front of me. I did too. I've got okay, a list of 12. So you're going to, yep. okay. Um, oh my gosh. I'm just like one of these sites of just browsing. And, uh, this site has, uh, this new Lindsay Lohan Netflix movie falling for Christmas on like a list of best Christmas. It's like, no. I watched that movie. It's, it's, uh, there's a Lindsay Lohan Christmas movie. Yes. It just came out. Do you have Netflix? Uh, yeah. I mean, do you like Hallmark style Christmas movies? It's I, about, it's about as Hallmark as Hallmark gets, even though I it's don't on Netflix. Mind them, but they are just, they're predictable. Like you just know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, all right. So should we just like, Get right into it? I say we just run it. Okay. So a little snake draft action, just the two of us, um, oh. unless I hear something in the next two minutes. Um, 
I will just – would you rather go first or second? I'll just give you the pick. Well, you get the pick. You won last week. Okay, I'll go first. All right. All right. Um, so number one, which one do I want to take? Because there's a few that I absolutely want to have on mine. But number one, I'm going to go – I'm going to go elf. Okay. That so, is on my that is on my list. Uh, you know, it's I did get burned out from that movie. Uh, you know, f- probably between the ages of 8 and 12, maybe 6 and 12. I saw that movie so many times in the Christmas season that you know, it just made me if I'm ever ever looking for a Christmas movie, I don't generally pick it, but just because I've seen it so many times, that doesn't change the fact that it is it is a top tier christmas movie i think i actually i had a weird a weird scenario with this movie this week um i had it on the tv and i was just kind of watching it and i thought to myself like this movie is not as good as i always thought it like it's still Uh-oh. it's still like a top 5 christmas movie but i just don't think it's you know, a top, a top two Christmas movie that I would put on my list. Like I had it, I had it ranked as a third round pick for me. Okay. And I mean, I might've jumped the gun picking it in the first round over some of the other ones I've got. Um, But we will see if it ends up coming back to bite me. But uh, so you get two picks now. I do. And I'm going to take two hard hitters. Oh, dude, I'm very scared. These are the ones I want. Uh, these are statistically, according to the IMDb website, oh, gosh. the top two Christmas films, and I love them. So my first round would take It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. Great film. Uh, I got a late start on it. Didn't watch it for the first time until a few years ago. I still have not seen it. But so. it, it is one of my favorites. Uh it's it's a movie you just can never can never stop watching every year. Like when I think of Christmas, there's always a list of movies that I watch during Christmas time, and that's one that's just gonna always be in the uh in the rotation. And it just, you know, I'm a sentimental guy. It just makes me tear up at the end every single time. I don't think I've cried that hard in a movie since Marley and me. Really? Yeah. It's it really I know, gets I, I know in a very, very general sense the plot, but that's that's about it. It really gets me. Uh, the second one is not one that makes me cry at the end. It's one that makes me want to run through a brick wall. And that's Die Hard. Ha! Ha ha! Okay. All right. Die Hard is just a sick movie. John McClane going around, killing those German terrorists strapping c4 to a chair rolling it down the elevator shaft blowing people up it's just a sick movie okay so here's the thing about die hard is it a christmas movie or does it just take place around christmas uh both it's a christmas movie because it takes place around christmas Uh, well, I mean, I guess, uh, I guess the voters will be the judge. Um, it's a, it's a great movie. Okay. I've got one. 
I was definitely nervous you were going to take this one. You have back-to-back now. Okay, I do have two. Um, <laughs> shoot, that makes these very important here. These could make or break it. So the first one, I'm going to go with Home Alone. Ah, yep, yep. That is the classic. Now, it's just a it's just a great movie. Uh, now, I thought about going Home Alone too because that one is pretty good in and of itself. But I don't think I can take two whole spots on with... just Home Alone films. Yeah. Yep. So this is a this is a big decision here. Huge. Do I want to go something more classic? See, here's one I know is a classic, and I think people would vote for it, but I just it's it's just not my favorite, so I can't I'm can't pick that. I'm going my favorite movies here. Man, I did not know this would be this hard, frankly. In the words of one Michael Scott, that's okay. what he said. I got to do it. Ah, maybe I don't. Do it. Do it. Ah. You know you want to. Okay. Jim Carrey Grinch. Oh. Uh, I don't See, know. This is this is where we had a point of contention last week. I I'm not a fan of this movie, um, but it's not my list. It's your list. Yeah, I just uh, for some reason, like the older I get, the funnier I find Jim Carrey in that movie. So, like, I don't know if I'm picking that just because some of the scenes make me laugh. Because the overall plot, I mean, I don't know. It's, I I don't know. I wish I felt uh, wish I felt better about that pick, but yeah. I got to do it. Now I go back to back again. Yeah. So how many do you have right now? Just one or I two? I have two. Okay. So the and we're going to five. Okay. We're going to five. Um, you went with the theme there of you don't know if it just makes you laugh, and I know this next movie does make me laugh a lot. Uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Okay, see, that's the one I was going to pick, um, just being like, I think people will vote for it. But just for some reason, that's, it's just not one oh, of my favorites. It is such, like, to me, it's such a cringe movie, but that's what makes it funny in ways. Like, the, the part where they're, they're sledding down the hill and he's on, like, the trash can lid or the saucer. Yeah. And he just starts shooting down the hill with a trail of flames behind him. Like it's just so dumb that it's funny. See, maybe you might've, you might've hit the nail on the head for why I just don't enjoy watching as much as the general public is just the cringe factor is so high. Yeah. In that, in that movie yeah. that I just find myself like, I wish this movie was over <laughs> rather than I just love this, this movie around Christmas. I know it's a classic. I know so many people love it, but you you nailed it with the cringe factor is high with that movie. Yeah. Um, my next pick, you know, I've got a list of options here. I'm going to have some honorable mentions that I'll throw out. 
after we're done, just because I don't think they'll get picked. But my next pick is just another classic. Um, you know, no, I'm not going to go with that. Cause I'm thinking of movies that I could watch every year. And that movie, I just, I don't know if I can't, ah, I don't know. I'm going to do <laughs> it. I'm going to do it. I have it as number five on my list, a Christmas story. Okay. All right. I um, mean, it's, it's a movie where like after a while, you know, I, you do start to start to get sick of it, but thinking of movies I'll watch every year. I mean, it's on for 24 hours on Christmas Eve and Christmas day. I'm going to watch it. The scene where he opens the box fragile and it's the lamp with the nice laced up leg. Like it is just a classic, the bunny pajamas, uh, off fudge, but he didn't say fudge. It's, there's just so many classic parts. You know, I find myself just screaming the bumpuses at any sort like set of dogs I see. Uh, man, I just and it it's my childhood. I love that movie growing up. Hmm. Now you got back to back. Okay. Oh gosh. See, I feel like I should be picking some classics at this point. Uh, I'm really like, hoping you pick like, one of the ones that I'm thinking about so I can just... Like, I'm just trying to... Do I want... Is this a... Am I trying to make my list? Like, if I was to watch a Christmas movie right now, which one would I select? Or am I trying to, you know... Um. Okay, I can't believe I'm putting this one on my list because I had strong opinions about this movie not even that long ago. But I'm going to put uh, Polar Express. Oh. Um, you know, I did... I don't know if research is too strong of a word, but I kind of looked into it. You know, I, I thought the movie had a stupid message and everything, but you know, it, it goes a little deeper. I was a little too superficial and, uh, the score is awesome. The, the music and, uh, it's just sort of a classic, you know, like we talked about before, uh, the animation is just, a little bit off. It almost makes the people look a little creepy, but very creepy. Yeah. And you know, Tom Hanks is 50% of the roles basically, but uh, no, I, it's, it's a, it's a solid movie. I absolutely loved it when I was a kid and uh, I'd watch it again. So um, I, I came, I came full circle on the polar express. Yeah. I've, I started out being okay with it, um, and I just I turned around. I started to not like it, and I haven't made the full revolution yet. I'm not back to liking that movie quite yet. Okay, and uh, with number five, I am going with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Ah, good one, a classic. Yeah, that one is pretty legendary. See now. Uh, I 
I have one where I could just try and echo that and go with a classic. But I've got actual movies on this list that are just, they're too good. So you've got just one left here? I do. Okay. And I'm between, I'm between like four different things. Like, the, I have, I've got Home Alone 2 in there. Um, I've got Charlie Brown. I've got the Muppets. Um, but I think, I think I'm going to go with the Santa Claus 2. Okay, how about this? Um, I have Home Alone, so we can just call that the Home Alone series. And you can just call it, you have the Santa Claus series. All right, I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah, uh, that was definitely on my honorable mention list, the Santa Claus. That's some good stuff for sure. It's been a long time since I've seen one of those. Oh, but watch them every year. Those are good. So uh, I've got Elf, Home Alone, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, uh, Jim Carrey version, uh, The Polar Express, and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You've got It's a Wonderful Life, Die Hard, Christmas Vacation, A Christmas Story, and The Santa Claus. All right. Those are two pretty solid lists. Okay. Um, Honorable mentions. Here's what I got. I got the Muppets Christmas Carol, which the sole fact or the sole reason I could not put it on my list is because it's just the Muppets. Yeah. And it's like a little too like, yeah, okay. It's the Muppets. Like I get it. I've got a list but that I, I do. At I online. love the movie. Like we, Lydia and I always just sing uh, one of the songs from the movie and it's, it's on Disney plus it's got the sad song in it. They finally released the sad song version on Disney plus you know, it's it's a great one. Uh, Charlie you know, Brown. I've got a uh, I've got a list in front of me. Uh, yeah, uh, that has the Muppet Christmas Carol as the number nine Christmas movie of all time, like even ahead of a Christmas Carol. So really, yeah. So you wouldn't have been in uh, you wouldn't have been on your own think uh, selecting that. No, but it's definitely a great movie. Charlie Brown Christmas. Yeah, I I agree with that. Those are classics. Um. And then I had just, in case somebody took the Muppets Christmas Carol, I did have just the Christmas Carol. Yep. Um, what are what do you got for honorable mentions? Um. Honestly, I mean, I know a lot of people like Christmas with the Cranks. Is that what that one's called? Yep. Yep. Lydia uh, really likes that one. Honestly, I'm not the biggest fan of that movie. Uh, so I guess I don't know why I'm mentioning it in the honorable mentions section. Uh, I think, you know, I don't think there's a whole, like, I'm definitely more uh, down on Christmas movies than the average person. So I don't have a whole lot in terms of uh, honorable mentions that are like, and there's just frankly too many that I have not seen. Yeah. So just, I'm scrolling through the top 100 on IMDb and there's some ones in here. That I do want to mention, uh, we didn't touch on a miracle on 34th Street. I've never seen it. I don't know if you've ever seen it. See, that's yeah, I haven't um, seen it. It's it's universally loved. It seems like, but yeah. I can't comment on it. I've never seen yeah, it. Yeah, never seen it. Um, so that one, Batman Returns is on this list. I didn't know that was a Christmas movie, but 
<laughs> um, Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Never Actually, seen it. A really, it's a really funny movie. Uh, give, give it a watch sometime. Um, Last Christmas, which was a movie that I think it was the first movie or one of the first movies that my fiance and I ever saw in theaters. Um, about this this girl and she meets this guy. Uh, but it seems guy, like a lot of Christmas movies. The guy turns out to you know something's wrong with him, but you have to watch the movie to find out because I'm not going to spoil the plot. Uh, good movie though. Um, oh, I have one honorable mention. Uh, Trey Kennedy. Uh, I think it's titled every Hallmark Christmas movie or something like that. Um, and the best part is it's only like three or four minutes on YouTube. Oh, so great. Have you seen that one? No. Oh, it's hilarious. I think Noah and I were talking about Trey Kennedy last week. Maybe. Yeah, I think you were. <laughs> it's um, hilarious. You should watch it. <laughs> um, uh, Harold and Kumar in Christmas. That's a, just a good, funny one. Frosty, the snowman. Yeah. Yeah. That's a classic. Uh, Anything else? Uh, Four Christmases, Fred Claus. Fred Claus. Eh. I I'm not. Really I don't. I, yeah, there's 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 really nothing else um, oh. that I would mention that we haven't mentioned yet. So. And uh, Jack Frost. You remember nope. that movie? Well, which one? The, That's our... the one where it's like the talking snowman. Uh. Like the guy, this kid's dad dies and then he returns as a snowman. <laughs> um, and it's Michael Keaton. It's a like, I, I remember the movie. I would always watch it on like Disney growing up. It's not a great movie, but it's just one that like, I remember <laughs> watching when I was younger. Uh, and I guess a Christmas story, Christmas, throw that one in there. That's a new one that just came out. Uh, okay. Not as good as the original, but yeah. Um, Did we miss any? I mean, nothing the else. Night, I could the think Nightmare of. Before Christmas. I don't really know about that one. I've never seen that. Yeah, I haven't either. Yeah, that's a. It's sort of near um, the top of a lot of these lists, but it's not not one I'm familiar with. Uh, for our Disney lovers, Mickey's Once and Twice Upon a Christmas. The Mickey Mouse Christmas Carol is a good one, too. Um, yeah, so, oh, there was something I was going to tell you. So uh, sometime in the last week, I don't remember which day, was super hungry. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go get a, um, I'm just going to get a whole pizza. And just eat a whole pizza myself just because I'm starving. And uh, so I went to um, unnamed pizza place and they asked what size. I said, well, obviously, like I'm hungry, but I'm, you know, I'm not a glutton. I'll just get a medium. And they said, how many pieces would you like us to cut that in? And I said, oh, um, I'll just do six. There's no way I could eat eight. <laughs> That's the joke of the week. <laughs> Good joke. Thank you. Appreciate um, it. Uh, I guess last thing. Last thing for the show. Let's wrap it up with some unrealistic golf Christmas ideas. Christmas gift ideas. Okay. Um, 
We have it on our list in front of us. Not and sure what you have in mind. It's completely blank. <laughs> it's completely blank. I, We're just going to come up to on the spot. What I even was thinking about when I said that. Here's here's my unrealistic Christmas wish for golf. Uh, I want a all expenses paid trip to go play Augusta National Golf Club. Oh wow! Uh, so uh, my fiance, who's listening to me over on the couch, if you can make that happen in the next week. Uh, that'd be appreciated. I have one. Um, I just want for Christmas. It's honest, honestly, like it's not even that big of an ask. I just want one of those jobs where I can be someone who, um, is like, you know, a YouTuber and my job is to play golf. I mean, that's not that big of a, that's not yeah. that big of, a, yeah. of an ask. You know, yeah. I just get to play golf for my job and then post videos about it. Yeah. Um, right. Maybe work at like a big company too that just pays you lots of money. You know, if we can get bought out by an unnamed company. How about uh, no more three putts? No, that's not unreal. You could make that happen. I mean, do you think? Do you think that you could just ever work hard enough at putting to just guarantee that you never three putt again? Or do you think that there's no. always just going to be one looming out there? Well, I mean, and just with the imperfections and greens and like, there's just, there's never, there's too many variables for that to just, I mean, even the best putters in the world three putt, I don't know, you know. That's, speaking on three putts, this is actually one of my favorite golf games to play. Uh, it's Snake. I don't know if you've heard of it. But so it starts with like $5 in the pot. It's a gambling game. Uh, and then every time you three putt, you have to put a dollar in the pot and then you become the snake. And then the last person to three putt at the end of the round has to pay out the pot uh, in this game. So like if someone three putts, every single hole in the pot gets up to $33, the last person to three putt has to pay out that $33 to everyone else. It's, you know, it's fun, especially when you're playing in a group of people who are just like terrible uh, and they three putt like every other hole and you can just, you know, one and two putt everything. Like it's, it's fun. There's little that's more frustrating than just maybe losing your concentration on the greens a little bit. And just like, it's one thing if you three putt from like 60 feet or whatever, it's like, okay, I, I wanted a two putt, but sometimes it happens, but it's just one of those, for no reason, just like, like I said, just lost your concentration and you either had a good look at birdie and you're just like, what just happened? And then you walk off with a bogey. That's just, yeah. You've got like maybe a 15 footer for birdie and then you hammer hands it five, six feet past the hole. Yeah. How about four putts? Uh, especially in a, I would say four putts are included in a major tournament of the South Dakota golf calendar year. When your partner hits uh, one into the, into the jump. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah, the two man. Was that a four? That, that was a five putt, wasn't it? It might have been. Weren't you on in regulation and you yeah, made I triple? Yeah, had a birdie putt. Yeah, made triple. That's solid. Not bad. It's not a quad. Uh, how about uh, gift idea? I want my golf game to be just fixed. Like well, I want. Okay, I want to have. I not even have Santa a, could do that. I want to have a Tiger Woods swing. I want to swing the club like Tiger Woods. I don't need to hit it as far as him. I just want my swing to look like his. You want to be a little gimpy too? I already am. 
Okay. Well, I guess, yeah, you've got that taken care of. Um, I, I can't complain. I, I'm hitting the ball well right now. I'm going to be up there in a few days. Maybe we should go. We might have to. Um, you know, I do start Christmas break this week, so. Good deal. Up, we might have to. Uh, might have Let's to make it happen. Friday? No, what's the date Friday? The 23rd? Friday's the 23rd. Thursday night or Friday night? One of those Thursday, two? Thursday night's trivia. Friday night it could do. Oh, speaking of trivia, trivia team won the uh, the six-week tournament this this uh, this tournament. The Krusties? Yep. Walked out, walked out with uh, 30 or $300 cash. Jeez. We, uh, we have gone 21 straight rounds of trivia of being in first place or tied for first place. Maybe that's a new segment we could add. So, like, you know, just randomly throw in a joke, but also, like, just the most useless piece of trivia that's, like, that that you either garnered through trivia or just through random sources. It's, like, there's no point in ever knowing this information, but, like, here's a fact for you. Yeah, okay, here's your useless piece of trivia knowledge. Okay. The uh, the state of Rhode Island, if you compare it to South Dakota standards, uh, this those of you that are not from South Dakota, you won't understand what we're talking about. But it basically, if you start in Watertown, you go over to Redfield, down to Huron, over to Arlington, and back up to Watertown. That's about the size of Rhode Island. That's the outer perimeter? Yeah. That's actually uh, crazy. The state of Rhode Island has a population density of 1,100 people per square mile. That's insane. South Dakota. Compared to where we're at. Is 10 per square mile. <laughs> so there's your useless. Oh, and then the square footage of Rhode Island is like 1,200 square feet. You might want to say square miles. There's square miles, square miles. Sorry. Say it's not the size of my yeah. apartment. Or... Yeah. <laughs> it basically is. I remember doing a project when I was like a freshman in high school comparing the size of Israel with South Dakota. Really? I think I think South Dakota is significantly larger in terms of um just the amount of area. Yeah, there's some there's some fun ones out there like the uh the Vatican City a Vatican City is about the size of my college campus. Is that how large it is? Very similar. It's four four million square feet. Four point seven million square feet. Let's uh, break Mon- that down into square miles. I don't know. Monaco is <laughs> 0.78 square miles. It's wait, that's just tiny. And oh no, that's the world. I was like 7.67 billion people live there. No way. Honestly, shout out to anyone who made it this far. Uh, We might have to cut it off at this point before uh, we go too far down this rabbit hole. But uh, Uh, 0.19 square miles. There's your answer. For what? Vatican City or Vatican City? 0.19 square miles. 0.19 square miles. Oh my. Yeah, that is. That's awfully small. In the words of Michael Scott, that's what she said. <laughs> I was just going to cut it off there, but I uh, figure we got to do a real uh, Christmas send-off. We're going to go a couple weeks without any content. I'm sure you guys won't miss us, but uh, 
we're going to see you guys in 2023. Yeah. And yep. Every, everything's going to be different. I'll be a good golfer. And, new year, uh, new me. Yep. Be a better podcaster. We're going to have all our, uh, new year's resolutions. Like, uh, Jang's getting a camera so I can actually see if he's sitting there or not. And then, um, more, more guests, better. No, episodes. I hope, hope everyone has a Merry Christmas, a happy new year. Uh, and we'll see you on the other side and, uh, yeah, just hope it's, uh, hope it's a, you know, best time of the year filled with blessings, seeing family and friends and all that good stuff. So you can have uh, the last word if you want it. Yep. Everyone send us your golf related Christmas gifts. If you get any, uh, whoever is the best one, we'll pick you and we'll send you something. We won't say what. <laughs> Maybe might, a direct message on Instagram. Might be like a penny on Venmo or something. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll pick a winner on who gets the best Christmas golf related gift. So, all right. Also, uh, donate to the Patreon. Just kidding. As long as you're donating okay. to to me and not uh, Noah's uh, Venmo. Yeah. All right. Take care, everyone. Merry Thanks Christmas. for listening, especially Happy if you made New it this Year. far. And uh, we will see you in 2023. We're out. I just got stuck in a bogey train. Mm-hmm.